This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Zone time is back for a full 82-game NHL season. And instead of the short episodes where you may, you might see a clip that's like 8 minutes or 10 minutes, there was like that one time where it was like 22 minutes and we talked about some team losing in the first round of the playoffs. I couldn't imagine which team that was. We decided to do full-length episodes. And uh, we're going to have them on YouTube and you may already be doing this. We're going to have them as podcast form as well. So wherever you get podcasts. And because of the fact that uh, there's a chance you may be listening to this, not watching this, I have to introduce everyone. Samantha Chang from the Broadcast Podcast is here. Justin Cuthbert is here from Yahoo Sports and the host of In the Mentions from Yahoo Sports. Uh, congratulations on your new show, Omar. We still don't know your last name, but uh, we everyone knows you as Omar, so we have to give you that shout out. Yeah, uh, thanks. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. It's been it's been cool so far. Um, you know, talking at a camera with you know kind of by myself and hyping things up is interesting. But yeah, you know, when it comes to the least, it's always easy to you know get very animated about certain things. Thanks for bringing up what happened last season. I completely forgot for about thirty seconds. Oh, don't worry. We'll talk about the Leafs and uh, the All or Nothing documentary a little later on in the episode. And uh, we're all we're representing three different markets here, uh, Toronto, Vancouver and Montreal. And we'll talk about whether or not our teams in our respective markets will actually make the playoffs. But to start off here, we got to jump in on Robin Leonard. He's the topic du jour. The Vegas Golden Knights goaltender uh, took to Twitter over the weekend to post a photo of his badly swollen ankle and how it was mismanaged by the Buffalo Sabres, perhaps in solidarity with what's going on with Jack Eichel and his artificial disc uh, surgery that he's trying to get. And then he throws shots at the Philadelphia Flyers and the training staff for uh, the possibility of uh, drugs being pushed towards players, uh, Ambien being one of them. Uh, Alan Vino, the head coach, had to address some of these allegations uh, Robin Leonard has since clarified they weren't necessarily directed towards him, but he did offer criticism towards how he was handling players. And Leonard has clarified to ESPN and Daily Faceoff and even went to the media on Tuesday uh, to clarify some of these columns. But one particular comment that I noticed that was really interesting from early in the day on Tuesday, and it came from Alan Walsh's, uh, Alan Walsh, uh, Robin Leonard's agent. And he noticed that Gary Batman, the NHL commissioner, kind of talked about the fact that players can still kind of go to the league and their 800 number and they're essentially an open book and Alan Walsh was not having any of it and knowing some of you guys here 
I get the feeling you guys might be a little skeptical about this as well. So I'll try to stop talking here. I've talked enough to start off the show, but what did you guys think of the fact that Robin Leonard took to Twitter to talk about this? And what does it say about the resources available to players whenever issues like this come up? Well, I mean, I think the fact that Robin Leonard isn't going to do this for no reason. I think the fact that he is going to Twitter to voice these concerns despite being, you know, overall an active Twitter user, I think this speaks to the, the lack of, of resources and the lack of support in the league as a whole, which is a bigger conversation, right? You know, there are, uh, I think the last like couple months as far as the league goes has been very bad as the many, as the multiple things that have come out. And, you know, when you think about the Chicago Blackhawks situation and all the details that have come out there and we know, or it's been released reported that, players who were involved in that situation reach out to the NHLPA and nothing happened. Right. So if I'm, if I'm Robin Leonard and I'm, you know, I have all these thoughts, all these concerns about the league, you know, and there have been multiple incidences of the league trying to sweep things under the rug. If I'm not going to get the support from the, you know, literally the players association, then I'll have to voice my concerns elsewhere. So, you know, Gary Bettman saying that is his very lawyer, Gary Bettman, Right. But it's also like it's also extremely frustrating because like, hey, like we know what's going on. Like we've actually become more privy to what's going on in the league as far as support and stuff. And obviously players aren't getting them. And this is another example of it. And I think it's also interesting of how many uh, this is another example of a, of a player kind of being mistreated or or. I don't know, not taking care of properly when it comes to an injury. Like, I don't know if you remember the, the Vladimir Tarasenko thing, which apparently has mm. disappeared, but the re- main reason he wanted, he requested a trade is because he didn't like how those St. Louis Blues handled his, handled his injury. So is this just interesting to see that we're getting another example of mismanagement, but overall, yeah, the PA hasn't really done too much uh, to kind of warrant, you know, overall confidence. Yeah. I, I was happy to see him do it. Not because I think it's, a surprise to anyone, but he's basically one of the only arguably marquee players who's still active to come out and say these things, right? Like we had TSN's problem of pain documentary where these kinds of allegations were made and request Ted has stayed on top of that subject, but it's until players who are like big names in this league speak up, all we've got is retired players coming out after the fact. And you know, I think what's interesting to Omar's point about transparency and Alan Walsh's tweet is that, you know, you have Akima Liu saying it's been two years since you said you started an investigation into what happened with him. We haven't heard anything. Same thing with the Chicago Blackhawks. The league wouldn't commit to transparency. And it kind of beggars belief that he would try to say we're transparent and you can talk to us. And the best part about this, best worst part about this is right before we started recording, Leonard told Emily Kaplan that he thinks the league is listening now and he's going to move his messaging behind the scenes. Like, I'm hoping that that's not just, uh, it just goes the way that everything else has gone. Well, that's not really surprising, right? I think that was sort of where we were going to get to all this, but like, you go back to the what you mentioned off the top, Julian, with the Alan Walsh saying that they're an open book or saying that they're not or implying that they're not an open book. Like, I'm sure they have a 1-800 number. I'm sure that's available to the players. I'm sure that's why Gary Bettman said it, so he could just use his legalese. But, like, the only way you were going to get anyone's attention is to have it play out in a public forum. And I guess that's exactly why Robin Leonard did what he did with his Twitter firestorm. But, like, the one thing that I got out of this was, like, NHLPA resources, like, they're clearly, clearly lacking. 
Like, I don't know what happens on a day-to-day at the NHLPA office, but if Jack Eichel's situation isn't on top of a large pile of file folders, then something's going wrong. Because if I'm glad that he started with Jack Eichel, because this is starting to infringe on, like, violation of human rights. Like, Jack Eichel wants to make a decision that's best for his long-term health. Yes, his playing career as well, but how he's going to, you know, function as an adult, as a 65-year-old man one day, because of a neck issue, and the Buffalo Sabres won't let him get the surgery that he wants. It's actually insane, and I'm glad that someone in the NHLPA, in the fraternity that is NHL players, is trying to step up for Jack Eichel, because this is getting to the point where it's like, enough is enough. This is crazy now. It's like tiny little fires like everywhere. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, we can go into everything the NHL's had to deal with over the last few months, but just this coming out now is just another big fire that the NHL just has to deal with here. And already the Buffalo Sabres, to me, not to focus on them, because I also want to put some attention as well towards uh, some of the drugs that have been mentioned this as well, but the Buffalo Sabres, to me, like I hope people don't forget about that as well, because already that organization has looked like a tire fire with the way that they've handled their season, and Jack Eichel enough has, has given them enough ire. But then you have this coming out from Robin Leonard here. I'm with you, Justin. Like The fact that Jack Eichel's you know complaints, they have to be top of mind for the NHLPA, but then again, Again, I mean, considering what we know about the Chicago Blackhawks scandal, how top of mind are some of these issues anyway with the NHLPA? But it, it begs those questions. If, if you, from an outsider's perspective, you're wondering, like, what is it like to be an NHL player when things go wrong? Do you actually have the resources available to you? And while I can understand that Twitter, it, it, it takes nothing for any of us to pull out our phones and go on the app and then tweet whatever we want. I understand there is the immediacy of that. But if the NHLPA was really out here for the players, would Robin Leonard have to resort to doing that? I don't know if he would. Yeah, I almost and- wish I almost wish he didn't bring up Leonard and pushing pills because first of all, he had to walk that back. And second of all, it detracted from his original message about Jack Eichel. Mm-hmm. Um, because then everyone was focused on this pill pushing story with Vigneault. And I agree with you. What is the PA doing? Jamie Ben this morning came out and said, you know, I think it's a hockey player's mentality that if you're not dead, you can play. And that's why they play through injuries. There is no other union in the world that would be fine with their members coming out and saying that. So to me, the only thing that the PA has done in the last decade, the last two decades is they advocate for escrow HRR. They care about money, but when it comes to the actual well-being of the players, they don't seem to be doing anything. Yeah. And then to build off that point, it kind of seems like it's the issues within the NHLPA, especially when it comes to injuries and stuff, kind of is an extension of hockey culture as a whole, because like, what's the big event, everything, you know, after the Stanley Cup gets awarded, the big, the big thing is we go on Twitter and we see the, okay, who was the most injured and was playing through it anyway, right? Like Patrice Bergeron, like they'll still never, I'll never forget that, played with a punctured lung. That's insane. a punctured lung like are you like are you kidding and everyone was like oh that's so great i'm like no it's no. not because like you don't play hockey forever right so justin like i really like what you said earlier because like you have to think of like the long-term view of this and this is what jack jack eichel is trying to do and he's not getting support and i feel horrible for him and the buffalo sabers look even worse right if i'm a player i don't know why the heck i would want to go there like draft 
free agency, like whatever. So it's like, there's so many things over and over again of what's going wrong. And it just comes down to the point of if the NHLPA is doing what it's supposed to be doing, Robin Leonard isn't tweeting about this. He's actually getting that support behind the scenes, which is what the NHL likes. They like things, you know, being behind the scenes and in closed doors, all, all that type of stuff. But obviously it's not happening, right? Yeah, probably naive to not think this already, but I think we are learning that the NHLPA is just as much of a business as the NHL, it seems. Agreed. Like the NHL is all about the bottom line. The NHLPA is all about just fighting for maximum dollars or their share of the escrow and everything that comes with that. It's not about the future health. It's about making money for these players and henceforth making money for people like Donald Fear. Mm. Yeah, mm. that's pretty well put to say. The last thing I want to ask about this is, with Robert Leonard himself, like I, I never would have thought that he would have turned himself into this outspoken personality. Like, I'm just curious what your views on, on him as a, as an NHL personality uh, is now after the tweet storm that he did. Yeah. I think it's just as important to do, right? Like we, we, we never, this is what sucks about the NHL is that we never see players actually being themselves. And if we do, then they get freaking roasted for it. Like, oh, they're a distraction, they're this, they should focus on winning games. So seeing Robin Leonard do this and actually use his platform to just speak about you know, these different issues, I think is really important. Not for any, not even just for NHL players right now, but also NHL players in the future, right? Because you know, if, if some positive change happens from this, then perhaps you can have players in the future who, if they try to get support from the PA and they're not getting the support, they say, okay, you know what? I tried to reach out to the PA the right way not working. Okay. Now I have to try something else. So I think, you know, what Leonard is doing is pretty, you know, um, I don't know. I would say brave. I definitely yeah, just, brave. It's so, it's so easy just for, you know, for, for, you know, being outspoken as a player to be called a distraction and this and that. So I think it's really important what he's doing. Yeah. Leonard's found a voice and an important one at that, but I, I do think we need to massage it a little bit. I mean, once we started talking about Vino, who we has no experience with, I mean, I think he lost some of that credibility. So I don't know if he should be working with someone, but to really just narrow in and harness what is, or what should be the message is his best, best path moving forward. And if he can do that on Twitter and not behind the scenes as it might be the case now. I really think that is the best vehicle for change, which the NHL and NHLPA clearly need. I agree with Justin. I think that it's great that he's doing it. I hope to see more players use their platforms to advocate for these kinds of issues. Um, but he could benefit from working with someone to narrow in on what his message should be. I think in the past when he's done this, you know, he spoke up about Evander Kane over the summer and some of it was great, but he also made some commentary about addiction that was problematic. And so he gets on these tangents sometimes that takes him away from, from the actual message he's trying to convey. And I think dilutes his message. And I'd love to see him kind of focus in on what he's actually advocating for. Could you imagine Robin Leonard if he had his own podcast and felt, you know what, let me just give myself my own platform to say how I feel beyond Twitter. It might be the most listened to podcast on maybe in, in, in the country. In he Canada. ain't beating yours, Julian. Don't worry about it. Not, no, I, and, I, and I, did uh, not want, <laughs> I did not want that as a way oh, to plug uh, the Chris Johnson show. I, I stepped into it. But no, in all seriousness, I think and Omar brings up a really good point with how uh, NHL players go about trying to reveal something of themselves. 
they get roasted for it by the code of hockey, whether it's, you know, not about individuality, about team, but the fact that Robin Leonard, who once upon a time was splitting the pipes with Marc-Andre Fleury in Vegas, uh, bounced around from all these different teams, might be the most outspoken personality. Because at one point, the most outspoken personality in the NHL was his agent, Alan Walsh. Now they're both neck and neck. Like that kind of, that's a little bit weird compared to what we see in other leagues. But uh, it's definitely going to be a story we're going to be tracking uh, here on out if there are any more developments with it. And I realize it was a bit of a, a bit of a tough start for this podcast in terms of the subject matter. I think we're all great. Nothing tough about us. Well, not in terms of us being bad. That's what I mean. Anyway, you see what happens when you have a longer episode, you yeah. kind of have to ramble on a little bit more, but yeah, all I'm just trying to say is, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say though, the first thing I thought when I saw that Alan Walsh tweet is, is Alan Walsh gearing up to position himself for a PA position? What do you mean? Hey man. Well, Alan Walsh wants to abolish the, the salary cap and I am all for that. Yes. He did say that. And he made some really good points. I'm curious about that PA position. Like you think like he could be like head of the PA one day. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. I think oh. he's been, he's been increasingly outspoken, especially about the league's mismanagement. And it, the natural conclusion of that is their number one adversary, which is head of the PA. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know how much money he makes uh, as a player agent. I'm sure it's quite a lot. But, sure. you know, whenever he shares an opinion, I think the public pretty much generally agrees with what he says. So if he's involved in the game more, I actually think Alan Walsh is weird to say the guy who posted that meme with a sword going through Marc-Andre Fleury's back. I actually think he could be an improvement in any capacity that he's uh, with with the NHL. Hey, man. I mean, yeah, there's, there's the meme stuff. There's the cap stuff. I think... Um, I don't know if he tweeted it, but he said that if he was like in charge of the league, the first thing he would make is just like any any contact with the head is like an automatic. Yes. Like, that exhibit needs A to happen. That needs to happen. So yeah, I'm actually. You know, hey, we should actually get this going. Alan Walsh for head of NHLPA. Yes, yeah. okay. it's going to be trending we- on Twitter. <laughs> I think we just uh, did. We just come up with a title for this uh, week's episode of Zone Time: Alan Walsh for head of NHLPA. Might be a sure little he'll be flattered. I'm sure he'll be <laughs> absolutely flattered. Uh, let's go from the tough talk of Robin Leonard and Alan Walsh to a really early look at uh, our NHL teams in our respective markets. Uh, three NHL teams represented here on Zone Time. Uh, Sam is in Vancouver. Uh, both Omar and Justin are in Toronto, and I'm in Montreal. And a lot of questions around each of these three teams for very different reasons. I'm just curious. Uh, because a lot of people obviously will speculate on these three teams, Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal. Maybe the answer is a little bit more clear in Toronto, a little less so in Vancouver, Montreal. But is the team in your market going to make the playoffs? Is that the goal? Is that the mood? Like, like I, I want to know your answers to this question because I know I know what I think we're going to get from Omar here and, and, and Justin could add on as well, but I kind of want to know about the playoff vibes for Vancouver, Toronto, and I'll add some context with Montreal as well. Um, are, say, so are we answering this question seriously <laughs> or? You can answer it however you want. Okay. I mean, this is zone time after all. You can do all whatever right. you'd like. So within reason. Every, every part of me says yes. And I, I'm, I'm not jumping on the, the idea that the Leafs are going to miss. However, okay, might be harder than they think. 
just because the Atlantic is still the Atlantic. There's still Boston. There's still Tampa. Florida got better. The Sens are going to be annoying. Um, Detroit has Lucas Raymond, right? Now, I don't think – now, again, I don't think the Leafs are going to completely miss. And to be honest, for me, I don't really care what they do in the regular season. They could get in as That's a what I'm card. waiting for. That's They can get in as a wild card. But it's once game one hits, that's when I'll start focusing focusing on. And I think the big thing about, about the documentary was that from the beginning of the season, Sheldon Keefe knew what the issue was right from the beginning. We, we play scared. When we get a lead, we always let the team get back into it. We never have that mentality as, okay, well, the game's just done and the opposition's not going to have anything. We always allow people, allow, allow teams to kind of crawl back in. So I'm going to be interested to see is whether they listened and whether they don't want what happened last year to happen again. So do I think they're going to make the playoffs? Yes. Do I know what's going to happen in the playoffs? No. But for me, I need something to happen in the playoffs because I'm tired of looking at that thing behind me and wishing I could have the Stanley Cup, but not having the Stanley Cup. So I just want some positivity in my city. Justin, what do you think? I feel like you've done that point before because you were right on, I guess (laughs) it might be kind of easy to do, but you were right on For the audio listeners, uh, Omar was pointing at uh, a tiny Stanley Cup that is on his windowsill. Just wanted to add Accuracy was pinpoint. Uh, I mean, yeah, the Maple Leafs should make the playoffs. It may be not a given. I don't think it's actually a terrible bet to sprinkle on them not making the playoffs because the odds are out of control. But when you have Florida, Tampa, and Boston – I mean, there's only three spots, and the wild card is not for sure because the Metro should be strong all the way through, and Montreal could potentially get in there as well. So they're going to be in tough just to get into the top three seeds. And I do think there's just like a measure of vulnerability to them just in general. Like, what happens if Austin Matthews goes down? What happens if like TJ Brody goes down or Morgan Riley or even like Jake Muzzin? Like, it was a house of cards the moment John Tavares went out in that first round series, as all of us know. And Omar certainly understands very, very well. Like <laughs> serious adversity is like... is like something that this team cannot <laughs> overcome. So if it happens and you've got Tampa and Florida shoe-ins to get into the playoffs, Boston, maybe it's a coin flip at that point. Like if something bad happens, which probably would be a good thing because the Maple Leafs need to like prove to themselves that they can actually overcome something. Maybe you would be welcome in that, in that moment in time, but you know, it's not a given that they're going to get into the playoffs, even though it's like they really, really should. Sam, are the Canucks making it? It's a hard question. I think anything could happen. Um, I'm going to say You yes. can say that about anything. You I can know, say that about anything. Know, like legitimately, they should be a bubble team. I think if they were in any other division, they would probably not make the playoffs. But the Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Pacific is by far the worst division in hockey, and it's not close. Like, the Golden Knights are going to make the playoffs. The Edmonton Oilers should make the playoffs, but, like, maybe, maybe not. Um, The rest of the teams in that division, other than maybe the LA Kings being a sleeper team, I think the rest of the teams are garbage. Like what is San Jose going to do this year? What is like Calgary is the Canucks two years ago. So they're not going to be good. Ah, that's Sam. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Okay. So say for example, it's Edmonton versus Vancouver. Connor McDavid is charging down, down the ice and OEL Oliver Ekman Larson is defending him. What is the distance between OEL and McDavid? <laughs> what? Oh, is it that's not nice. That's game. not nice. There's not even it... like a single defenseman that could keep <laughs> yeah. up with Connor McDavid. I mean, now that I'm thinking about it on the Vancouver that's actually, roster, that's a good point. That's a good point. Mikheyev did outskate him that one point, that one time. Yeah, I still want to know. I still want to know Sam's answer. Might get close. Maybe use. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Depends how much of a head start he has. Yeah. I mean, McDavid's yeah. not really fair. We could choose like a different oiler. To yeah. Let's us. say like, well, let's <laughs> say like Yamamoto maybe. Or let's say Zach Hyman. Because that's sneaky thing, fast, though. I think the correct answer is like he'd be slightly closer than Alex Edler would have been. Okay. Light upgrade. All right. Okay, that's not that's so a positive guess. <laughs> but if you ask me again in three years when we're still paying him eight point two five million dollars, I'll probably just cry Wait. like you did when the Leafs lost. Oh, ouch! <laughs> ouch! And you open that door. You open that door, man. It's it's true. You know what? It's true. I definitely, I definitely did open that door, and that door that had a two and an O. And a one and a one on that door. I definitely <laughs> oh, did. I definitely man. opened the 2011 door for sure. Yeah, That's hey, I think tough, there's right? I think there's some reason to be like excited about Vancouver this year, just to you know spin it positively a little bit more. Like that forward group is really really impressive. And if we're talking about the Oilers making the playoffs because of basically attack alone, Vancouver's got to be in the running. So I, I want to hear what everyone has to say about the Leafs too. But I'm in, I'm in Sam's camp. I think Vancouver is going to sneak into that third spot. I think it's the best forward group they've had since 2011, by far. Mm, and yeah. the pressure is actually on now. I mean, it's a bit ridiculous. It's Jim Benning's eighth year, and the pressure is now somehow on. But <laughs> that long? He could, yes. This is wow. his eighth season. He had only enough cap space to sign Elias Patterson to a three-year deal. And so he's got three years, he's got three years to contend or he very probably has walked him to the right to the edge of UFA and he's going to be gone. And I mean, I'd say that's a good run, like 10 plus years, but it might not be like a good run. Yeah. It was a good run for Jim in terms of keeping his job. Yes. Money and being employed, but that's, (laughs) yeah. 
just yeah. offloading salaries. Also, like Elias Patterson's like qualifying offer when that deal ends to be up to like what, like eight point eight million dollars, which makes sense. No, yeah, like, like it does. I mean, like, that's, that's fine. still a lot of money. But you want to lock yeah. him up if you can, and clearly they couldn't. But they did all they could do, so I, I can't really yeah. slam them for the Hughes and Patterson yeah. signings. That's yeah, fair. the Hughes, the Hughes signing, off. in my opinion, is really good. Like I, I love, like I love the number. I love the term. Um, this, yeah, the Pedersen thing just sucks. As like as far as like his contract status, but like I like both. Both numbers are pretty sweet. And yeah, if you can take these next three years and go on a legitimate run, then why not? I mean, I yeah, think I mean, they had an objectively good offseason. They got rid of so much gra- garbage, and they had to take back. I mean, OEL might be a, a like he might be a problem right now, but he in total, is more valuable than all the guys they had to get rid of. And they got uh, Garland back as well. And they've got the best forward group they've had, as you mentioned, a very long time. And, you know, the defenseman is way, way overvalued. The defensive core is way, way overvalued. But at least there is some talent there. And they've got Thatcher Demko, who's, you know, succeeded at every level. So I I do think they did the best that they could in this moment in time. And it probably leads Jim Benning to the end of the, the road for him. But that's all you can really do is play with the hand you're dealt. I think they did a decent job. Yeah, I think they did the best that they could in the circumstances that they created for themselves. But that blue line is atrocious. I mean, right now you're looking at a top four of Quinn Hughes, Myers, Tyler Myers, mm-hmm. and Tucker Pullman. OEL. OEL. Mm. See, I can't even remember. Is uh, that defenseman who got? Is that defenseman got burned by Matthews in that one game? Still there. I forget what his name is. There's like that one game where like Austin Matthews. Oh, like I know what you're talking him. about. I know what you're talking about. It was uh, it was one of the the unfortunate days where the Leafs had to wear those awful retro versions. Yeah, it was a retro I didn't jersey recall day. The player's name, but I remember the play. Yeah, we put through the spin cycle. He's not still there, is he? I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah, I've blocked I guess that, that from my memory. Yeah, but that just goes to show the state of the Canucks. Um. I just wanted to mention the Canadians real quick here. I find that a lot of people have been kind of kind of down on them this year. I can't imagine why. Yeah. Um, but like I don't I, I don't think they're gonna be nearly as bad as a lot of people think. I know Carrie Price is not likely gonna start the year, but it's also an 82 game season and the schedule's not gonna be as wild as it was when it was condensed in the bubble. I see them fighting for a wild card spot. Like the, the wingers, the scoring that they have, it's as good as I've ever seen them. Like Brendan Gallagher might actually be like a good secondary scorer from the third line. Mike Hoffman, when he eventually gets to playing, I mean, what it what goals he could per, he could put in some goals. A lot of people are like, oh well, Mike Hoffman. The only thing he's really able to do is score goals and put pucks in on the power play. Aren't you supposed to score goals to win games? Like everyone's saying that as if it's like, oh no, that's the only thing he could do. Well. I don't know. Like Cole Caulfield could win the Calder this year. I think there's a lot of good with this Canadian team this year. They just play in the Atlantic division where Florida could make it. Tampa could make it. Boston has a chance at making it. The Toronto Maple Leafs could very well be a wildcard team as a result of this. I'll say this about the Leafs though. They could be like a losing streak away from like everything crumbling down, considering what they've experienced over the last few years. Florida could (laughs) underwhelm as well. Tampa Bay I mean, I don't expect them to to win the division. They played so much hockey over the last year or so. I don't, I, the Canadians might have to hope that someone in their division kind of just underwhelms for them to, you know, eventually get to the playoffs. But I don't think they're going to be out of it. I think they're going to fight. Also, the last thing I'll say about 
weakened divisions in the Pacific Division, we have to be very careful about which division we classify as the weakest because we did that with the Canadian Division and look what happened to that. You never really know. Well, you know, but the Canadian Division doesn't count, right? Uh, no, you know, you're, yeah, you're right. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but right. It, 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 it is true, though. It is true, though. And I think, I guess, just going quickly back, back to the Habs, I think the mm-hmm. question that I have, and I think the big concern amongst Habs fans is, who is going to get those heavy minute, those heavy minute matchups now that Deneau's gone? Right? Like, is it Suzuki? But has he played that position, that role before? Is it Dvorak? That's a big question, Has Mark. he played that role before? Like, Who's a third line center? Like, is it Ryan Paling? Like, there's still is it Cedric Paquette? Like, there's still there's so many question marks um around the team. Like, I know like scoring has always been a question mark when it comes to the Habs, but I think now it's yes. the most like who is playing where and in what situation. I'll say this: uh, Christian Dvorak, uh, when he was out with the Arizona Coyotes, he was out playing against guys like Anze Kopitar. He got those some of those assignments, so it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up getting some of those with the Montreal Canadiens. But you do bring up an interesting point with Nick Suzuki, who may very well enter the season as the team's number one center, and that's a lot of pressure to put on him. He could eventually blo- he could blossom into a top tier center one day. A lot of people have brought out the Patrice Bergeron comparison. Make that what you will. But it is still a lot of pressure to be put on him. And the same could go for Cole Caulfield as well, even though I'm still thinking he could win the Calder Trophy. But the Canadians are essentially going to be depending on, on some of their young players to kind of pick up the slack in the absence of, of a guy like a Philip to know who's out in L.A. And no, no Shea Weber either, who will we don't even know if he's going to play hockey again. Speaking of guys playing through pain, uh, the Canadians are going to look very different. But I don't know if they're going to necessarily look as bad as some people think. I, I just... I just don't see it. I can see them fighting, and if they miss the playoffs, I think it might be like a like in the last week of the regular season. But I don't see them being so bad as some people might put them. I, I don't know. That's that's just how I see it with them. Yeah, I, I I mean, I don't really know who's saying they're like terrible. I haven't really heard that. I mean, there's a lot of jokes, people getting jokes off about the Montreal Canadiens and trying to, I guess, justify thinking they were not going to make it as far as they did because they were the 18th best team. You know, all that stuff goes into it, but I think you nailed it. I think they're going to be a bubble team. I think they're going to be a team that's scratching and clawing to potentially get in. They're going to be in the, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 range. And the problem is if they do get in, what was the key for them in the playoffs? You know, leaning on Deneau, leaning on Weber, leaning on Price. I mean, they're already out two thirds of those. And you mentioned Carey Price not starting the season. Like that is the formula for them. And they're missing that formula right now. And it's hard to depend on all your best players being you know along the boards and playing the flank you need good centermen you need good defensemen and montreal is at least lacking that at this moment in time yeah i wonder if the habs kind of switch up their identity a little bit i know the habs have always kind of pride themselves like being like a hard-working defense first team but i wonder if they kind of switch things up and just try to go for goals 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 and kind of and move away from that deno like just because I, i would hate to see suzuki like take away from his offensive skill to, to be more responsible because I think he's a fantastic player offensively and it would really suck if he feels that he needs to kind of take away from that to compensate defensively. So I wonder if the Habs kind of change things up a little bit there. Good question. It would make it more fun for me to watch in the press box. If they end up just trying to be a more offensive team. And I don't think uh, Canadians fans would mind all that much if the Canadians said, you know what, let's just lean on all of our wingers for offense. So to sum up, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs looks as if uh, Justin and Omar think they'll make the playoffs, but it's not really about making the playoffs. 
and Montreal and Vancouver are essentially just maybes at this point, at best, really. They could make it, but they might need a little bit of help to do it. Uh, I, I want to like on. Vancouver oh, a little bit more for Montreal. That's just fair. To, I think they have a better shot. We can, that's fair. That's fair. Considering the division they're in, that's fair. Yeah. I want to move on to uh, the last point that we have here on our uh, first episode of this brand new season of Zone Time. Uh, the All or Nothing Leafs documentary series. We kind of touched up on it at different points. Do we have uh, to? <laughs> I mean, I, I think so. I mean, you talked about it on In the Mentions. We don't have to go as in-depth as you did. Um, yeah. I binge watched <laughs> it over the weekend. Uh, we, we don't need to necessarily, unless you want to, just kind of mention what you thought of it. But I'm just curious if there was another team in the NHL uh, that you would like to see go through something like this. Uh I thought of Vegas for some reason. I just kind of like the idea that hockey is kind of like growing out there and they have, they found a way to be competitive right out of the gate. And all those players are likely just thinking it's Stanley cup or bust. I would think that the dynamic over there would be really interesting. Uh, So Vegas kind of comes top of mind and I'm just kind of curious what everyone else has to think. Colorado. Yes. Colorado. Yeah. Just because they're people are calling Colorado the Leafs of the second round, which is so counterintuitive because mm. of the second round part. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, like they're a team that you that you definitely think are not just trying to get out of the second round, but even trying to go further, right? Like at the end of last season, like McKinnon just on the podium said, like I haven't won anything in this league, like despite you know all the all the points and so on and so forth. So I think that would be a fascinating team to follow. Like even after like after the Kadri stuff, you know, how he, you know, another another uh playoffs where he's suspended. Right. So I think that would be a pretty cool team to follow. Uh Colorado definitely. I'm with Omar. I think Colorado would be great just because you know I think people would love to hear what Sakic has to say behind the scenes. There are very few teams with GMs with that kind of career behind them. I think they have players who are on camera naturals. Like you look at some of the, the in arena stuff they've done with Gabriel Ladnitz, Cog, Eric Johnson, they've got some guys who know how to be hams in front of the camera. And I think it'd be super entertaining. Uh, the flip side of it is I would love to see a documentary about the Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> like it would just be a train wreck. Like I just, I want to see everything that is happening behind the scenes there. Like what, what is going on? I, I need to know. Do you, still, do you still call it all or nothing or do you change the name? No, you just call it nothing. Tire no, fire. Nothing or nothing. <laughs> call it tire fire. <laughs> just call oh it nothing. Just nothing, nothing else. I, I like Colorado. I mean, we'd find out if Nathan McKinnon actually rules the kitchen with an iron fist. Yes. Um, That's what I want to know more than I think, anything. I want to know about his dietary <laughs> habits. Anyway, go yeah, ahead. We, would, we would obviously find that out. That would be hilarious. I actually think the Ottawa Senators would be low-key hilarious. Because you've got the Kachuk Stutzla bromance, Pierre yeah. Dorian and Pierre Maguire running oh a team God. and a camera around those two at all times. And of course, Eugene Melnick. Like it would be absolutely hilarious. They'd have to rebrand it a little bit because it would go from a drama to a comedy. But I would go with the New York <laughs> Rangers. Last year would have been unbelievable for the Rangers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think this year would be just as good. I mean, James Dolan, clearly you want to get him on uh on camera because he's an absolute nutcase glenn say there'd be interesting you know gerard gallant coming in and being the head coach of a team with all these expectations and maybe rushing it a little bit you know panarin reeves the alexi yeah. lafreniere hook would be there as well and i think you know 
that episode where Tom Wilson comes to MSG would be, <laughs> you know, you could fill a full hour with that alone. So I think New York, big market, all the expectation personalities there are there. I think that's a slam dunk for me. I didn't mention this, but uh, we were going off the assumption that teams can't interfere with like Amazon or whoever's running the documentary, because that's the big thing about this Leafs thing for me is that like, I, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more substance. I know we got some interviews here and there. You know, we got some dynamics uh, between players among themselves and John Tavares speaking at different points too, but clearly the the stars of the show were Sheldon Keefe and, and, and uh, Kyle Dubas. But even beyond the way that the season ended for the Leafs, like I've, I've, I was left wanting more. Like I would have liked to have seen them like really go in on how that season ended because that's still one of the most, one of the most like ridiculous things we've all seen as NHL fans. And to have added that at, at extra context would have been really good to do as well. Yeah, uh, I think there's like a lot player, of thoughts I have like, with that. Yeah, like player exit meetings would have been cool to see. Like obviously yeah. not in full detail, but at least – seeing some sense of reflection after the fact like i don't think anyone would say like oh my god sheldon was right but i think just like just hearing what some of the players especially some of the star players who are taking a lot of the heat would say after the fact you know maybe like um you know we we realize now that yes we did well okay they wouldn't say like yes we got a whole bunch of, we are really cocky and and so on and so forth but from watching the documentary you do get that sense that yeah they got pretty cocky and Anytime the, something was being, was being brought up, they're like, oh, well, you know, we're first in the division. So like, oh, we're first in the division. That's okay. We're first in the division. So I think seeing a lot more of the, the after the collapse, I think would have been cool. Um, even if it was like a five minute montage, you know, all we got was just like magnets that just had like four names in Mikheyev. And then it just ended. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a little bit too like abrupt. Uh, before we end off, are there any other lingering thoughts you had on the doc, or just the fact that it was happening at all? You don't have to have watched the whole series. I did because I don't know. I just wanted to see what the the fuss was about with everything. But uh, any lingering thoughts between you both, Sam and Justin? No, I got to be honest. Uh, I might be the only person in Toronto hockey media that hasn't gotten all the way through it, so I'm, That's I'm, I can't give a full you're, opinion. You're, I know it's, it's blasphemous. It's only been out for a week. I don't know. I mean, I don't have five hours to spare yet. I'm getting through it. It's fine. You're pure. It's fine. It's okay. You don't have to relive you it. You are pure. You're, you're pure. I haven't been polluted you yet. Don't have by to it. It. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> oh, like, I, I can't. I can't look at Travis Dermott anymore. I can't. Ooh, don't say that. <laughs> don't I, say uh, that. Oh, come on. He made the a mistake. One wholesome, the one wholesome I, entity on that team. He the made a mistake. Left. You ruined that. But he, but I thought McCabe was a nice guy too. What happened? Yeah. Oh, Damn. that was shocking too. Actually, seeing that that was actually pretty, pretty surprising because you actually don't get the sense of the sense of um that from him. So that was actually pretty cool. To, uh, Nick Foligno was good too. I know he's not a Leaf yeah. anymore, but he was like he got it. He understood that it was a documentary series, and they wanted to get as inside as they could as possible. But the fact the fact that he was doing the ice level interviews, uh, uh the phone call with with uh, his dad and Wendell Clark, like. Stuff like that. Like, he got it. He understood the assignment when it came to that show. See, that's the problem, though. And I haven't gone through all of it, but I, I seem to... I get the feeling that they focused on the guys that aren't even there anymore. And they yeah. let the people that are still with the organization sort of get off without, you know, having to go deep or having to really dig into what happened. So I think that's one of the main complaints that i've seen and clearly if nick felino was the star of the show joe thornton one of the stars of the show like they're not here anymore and we want to learn about the players that are 
going to either continue to fail or change things. And I think they missed the mark there. Yeah, I'm with you. I would have you know, it was funny to see Joe Thornton in his car, like laughing at commentary, but (laughs) what works for things like, what works for things like this is if you get into the nitty gritty, darker stuff and it's not, it doesn't come across like a bit of a PR puff piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You mean to tell me that like the toughest moment is when like Jimmy Vesey gets waved. Maybe that's not the toughest moment, but like they they went in on that, but like, I don't know. I would have liked, yeah, that's low-hanging fruit, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah, that's basically it. I'm, I mean, Justin, watch it at your own peril, I guess. Uh, just, <laughs> I'll get through it. I'll get through yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Take your time. There's no rush with that. Uh, not that there's any rush with this episode either. Uh, but we got through it. We got through the first full-length episode of Zone Time uh, in our show's history. I wasn't so bad, everyone. I enjoyed myself. <laughs> Yeah, it was great. It was, you know, some jokes were made. We had some laughs. You know, I, I feel like I probably need to cry for a bit. But uh, besides okay, that... Okay, Omar. Okay. You're not going to have to cry that much. Once the regular season starts and the Leafs find themselves near the top of the Atlantic Division, there will be no crying. Knock on wood Save right Save your now. tears for June. Ha ha ha! June, <laughs> April. <laughs> yes. That's no, t- no tears in June. No tears in June. No. no. Uh, unless they're tears of joy and you're hoisting the Stanley Cup. Uh, I'll do some quick housekeeping before we sign off. If you are listening to this podcast, uh, whether on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts, and you haven't already subscribed to the YouTube channel for Yahoo Sports NHL, go do that. If you're watching us on YouTube and you don't know that you could listen to this podcast on Apple or Spotify, wherever you get podcasts, I implore you to do that. So a little bit of some cross uh, promotion, I guess, across the platforms. Uh, but this is great. We're going to be doing this uh, every week. Uh, the best of, uh, you know, the good friends from hockey Twitter talking about what's going on in hockey just a little bit longer than some of the episodes we had last season. So uh, thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Zone Time. We'll be, we'll be back next week with a whole bunch of new stuff to talk about and a whole bunch of different Leafs jokes for Omar or whoever's representing the Leafs on the episode. Bye, everyone. Bye, <laughs> everyone.